Why would you look outside yourself when you have all of the world inside? One, two, three, four. This is the Prying Priest Podcast, and I'm Father Yuri Hladio. You're listening to the first half of an unedited interview about the personal stories of amazing people and why they have come to believe what they do. For the second half of these interviews, you can become a patron of the show at patreon.com slash pryingpriest. But for now, enjoy the show. Daniel... Bergman, welcome to the Prying Priest podcast. Yet another one of my friends who has Mennonite heritage from, I know, Men- I gonna, from <laughs> Winnipeg. I was going to comment on that. Like, at what point is this just going to be the Prying Mennonite, Prying into Mennonites Lives podcast? <laughs> this this podcast is secretly to divulge all the secrets of the Mennonite faith tradition <laughs> to the world. They've of tried course. to be isolationist so long. Don't expose us, Yuri. Okay, but that means we have to do something different today. Uh-huh. Okay, so I'm throwing a curveball to you, Daniel, that What's I did that? not tell you before. I, 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 So I've had a bunch of Christians on in a row, and the, and the initial p- purpose of the podcast was to have a people of a wide variety of faith backgrounds coming in, from atheist to Muslim to witch to everything. I want, yeah. I want to talk to everybody. But inevitably, I'm a Christian priest, and a lot of the people I know are just Christian people. Uh, yeah. So... I've asked a lot of uh, people to be on, and mostly Christian people have responded so far. So, what I want to do is just ask you like the tough questions. Oh my god! And to see how how a regular Christian dude would respond to some of this stuff. You make me nervous, Yuri. So uh, I'll I'll do my darndest here in okay. the hot seat. And just remember, this is an unedited podcast. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> not, I'm not sweating. You are okay. So I'm going to ask you kind of a big question here, but then we can work backwards to warm, to more some some of your um, childhood stories and stuff like that. Great. Okay. The first this is a question I've been meaning to ask lots of people on the podcast, but I feel like you can't drop it to every guest. So you're the first one to get dropped this question. Okay. Are you afraid to die? <laughs> oh, I mean, my uh, my answer to that is that <laughs> I'm not I, I can't say that I've been put in a situation where I have literally feared for my life so with that knowledge I don't think that I am but if I were to be put into that situation maybe I would act differently than I think that I act now mm-hmm. <laughs> how's that for an answer yeah I mean that's fine <laughs> uh, do, do you ever think about your death uh, I do um, I think, uh, <sighs> I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I did not tell Daniel no, I was going to ask him this question. I, and you know what? I truly, really, I am honored that, that you are bringing the, bringing the heat in like the first three minutes, not even that. <laughs> um, so, uh, I generally, I feel very confident of my mm-hmm. salvation, uh, which means that uh, you know whatever whatever it is that happens after people die, whatever glimpses we we get from what's revealed to us in scripture and other ways, uh, I I feel like the the goodness of God is what's in store for me, 
And so that gives me a whole lot of peace. Um, you know, I, I am married. And so I know that my lovely wife would, uh, would not do very well at first, (laughs) but you know, she'd get over it. Uh, it's, it's all good. Um, that's my answer. You can probe deeper if you like. Well, let's maybe, well, you're a Mennonite, like a regular in the city. Yeah. I mean, sort of, sort of. I just assumed you're a Mennonite my whole life. Are you actually a Mennonite? Well, see, that's a, that in itself is a complicated question. I was thinking about this as as I was preparing my uh, um, religious history, and uh, though though I attended Gospel Mennonite Church and Winnipeg Mennonite Elementary School and Mennonite Brethren Collegiate Institute and Canadian Mennonite University, I'm not like your stereotypical Mennonite. I don't even know what that is. So. We could, you know, I, I'm like culturally, my my family. I come from Mennonite people. I don't, yeah. Anyway, that's that that is. I I can't say for sure. Like I go to a non-denominational church now, um, so that's that's where I'm at when it comes to that stuff. Right, and and a non-denominational church would be a church that does not have sort of a, a, an overarching administrative structure outside of the local community yeah that right? pretty much pretty much right. um now that being said we are led by a lot of people with very mennonite last names um and so in, in some ways we are a mennonite church but uh not not by name right yeah well i never really thought about the fact that i never thought about your mennonitism or not <laughs> Like my 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 dad like grew up in Southern Manitoba in a super Mennonite community and went to like a one room schoolhouse and was um, very Mennonite and uh, and all my aunts and uncles all seventeen on my dad's side still live in Southern Manitoba in small wow. towns and and uh, probably almost all of them go to Mennonite churches but uh, I'm I'm the black sheep of the family I moved on to uh, to other things. You're- you're the black sheep of the family in that you still go to a church and have a leadership position there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Real black sheep there, Daniel. I know. That's me. Uh, so what what was like what was like what was life like Christian wise, religious wise in your home growing up? So who how were your parents religious at home? Uh how, that how, is how how are you formed religiously? So yeah, like I grew up in a very solidly Christian family. Uh, as I said, I was in these communities in church, in school, and like all over the place. And so in thinking back about my my life, there's a lot of places where I would have interacted with people who were like me, who who looked like me, who thought like me. And I... You know, thinking back about how I would have thought back then, I don't know that I would have thought that people considered differently than me. Um, and and that that's not just, you know, the the Christian aspect, but also the Mennonite aspect. And there's a few things that go into that, right? Like, you know, I, I grew up thinking that Christians were pacifist, that Christians uh, were baptized when they were like maybe 16 or so. When they could make the decision for themselves, uh, you know, I grew up thinking that probably like some of the other guests that you've had and will have that like Catholicism is 
you know, quasi-Christian, maybe. I never heard of orthodoxy. Uh, I just, and all this, let alone people who are atheists or have uh, no religious beliefs, with air quotes there, or or people of other religious beliefs, I wouldn't have grown up around a lot of those people. And and I think, and you know, we, we have lots of time to get into it, but there are some definite moments in my life where those instances where I would have come out of that bubble uh, occurred. And uh, yeah, that's that, that, that that's my upbringing. I mean, and, and to no, no fault of my parents, I think that's also something that is maybe not unique to, to the, the Mennonite life, but um, there's, there's some idea of being secluded. I think you maybe mentioned this at the start of this conversation too, but like um, sort of removed from the world and kept nice and pure or something. I don't think it was my parents' intent to not let me mingle with the uh, with the heathens or anything like that. But uh, well, you know, here that, we are. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. What are you, a priest? Isn't that like a, a that a is the pastor? worst? That is the worst thing you can be for a Mennonite a priest. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I don't hold it against you. <laughs> uh, so, when did you have a moment where you first really interacted with a type of Christian or a type of person that was not your type? And that it sort of hit, struck you. Um, honestly, one of those people would have been you, and uh, I'm not just saying that because you're the one. You're the one who asked me onto this uh, discussion, but you know, in in uh, in high school and beyond, you and I have had lots of uh, theological discussions about the particulars of different things and. You know, a lot of the things that come to mind from a dozen years ago are like um, uh, pre predestination and free will and, uh, you know, the nature of God and the nature of people and this kind of thing. And um, and through through the discussions that I had with you, first of all, I, I pretty much thought that you were Catholic. I didn't know what or, what orthodoxy was. And the more I got to know you, the more I figured out what orthodoxy was. And you invited me in to participate in services and lead in different ways, uh, which was very eye-opening. And in my discussions with you, you know, I realized that just because, you know, a lot of, a lot of Protestants see, um, you know, at, at best the, the Catholics and Orthodox as um, sort of going through the motions of faith or here's this, this thing that we do that we just sort of recite and it's, we could be asleep and doing it and we could still right. do it. Like, like dead rituals for is, sure is, is how a lot of Protestants see the Catholic church or the Orthodox church is, yeah, Absolutely. you're doing, you're doing these actions, but where's your heart at? You don't actually believe any of this Jesus stuff, right? Right. And you know, there, like for some people that might be true, but in my interactions with you, I, I found out that that was very much not true in the person of you. Um, and, and the people that, uh, that were close to you as well. And so that was, that was really great. And to see the merit of, of, uh, liturgy and to see the merit of, uh, the, the Orthodox church, uh, in general was, uh, was amazing to see for me. I have a story about that. So for our listeners, I would ask Daniel to come and sing with me at a bunch of different services because as a young man, I was put 
in I was given responsibility to sing at a small church community. It was only maybe 10 to 20 members, so it wasn't a giant responsibility, but I was a young man in my early 20s singing and leading worship in a church. And sometimes I was the only person singing because we didn't have that many people. So if there was a special service, I would ask Daniel to come sing with me. And there was this special service that happened where some visitors were coming and he came in. And we were singing in a service that is called in the Orthodox tradition, the quote, Sunday of Orthodoxy or the Triumph of Orthodoxy. And the theme of that service is icons. So these images of Jesus, images of Mary, his mother, and of all the saints that we paint and depict them through paintings. And the theme of the service is that we can actually use this in our worship. We can bow towards the image. We can even kiss the image. Not that we're kissing a block of wood. Well, we are kissing a block of wood, but the love is being given to the actual person in the, from that. Like you would kiss a photograph of your mother, right? You're not kissing the plastic, you're kissing your mother. Mm-hmm. So we're singing one of these hymns and Daniel's really nice and singing along. And one of the hymns is like, fie upon those who oh, yeah. do not, <laughs> fie upon those who do not worship like this, which is the Mennonites. Uh, yeah. And I just remember him like he just stopped singing and I was like, respect <laughs> <laughs> like, i do remember uh, that wow yeah. that, i that that was totally blocked out of my memory i wonder why <laughs> but no i do remember that moment um yeah and i like there were a few things uh about orthodoxy when i was participating in in some services that were confusing to me not least of which that that moment um but things things like uh, um, communion and participating in, in the Lord's Supper. And, and, uh, you can correct my mistakes here, but if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, like you, you need to be a confessing member of Orthodoxy to participate in communion, uh, in the breaking of bread and, and drinking of wine in, um, or whatever it is you drink. We Mennonites don't drink wine. We drink, uh, uh, grape juice, Welch's specifically but uh yeah so so you need you need to be a member of orthodoxy to participate in that if i'm not mistaken um and and so for me like uh i i felt it it's it's kind of it's tough because i was very happy to learn about um about how how your your faith looked and how it was different from mine but at the same time you know there are some ways that i wanted to participate maybe that uh that I didn't want to, or some, or that I couldn't, I should say, in some ways also that maybe I didn't want to, like, um, I know icons were very scary to me for the first, um, probably like 10 years of being, uh, being a friend of yours and not really understanding, uh, how, how saints and depictions of them, uh, factor into your, uh, worship life. So, uh, yeah, those those are just some observations that I had from those early days. What were some, let's go back to your childhood here. Mm-hmm. What were some formative experiences you had in terms of your faith, whether it was maybe a moment of questioning where you interacted with somebody who made you question your own faith, or maybe the opposite, maybe somebody you interacted with that really affirmed your faith or made you take on your faith more personally? One big event for me is something that probably if you're in the Christian circles in Manitoba and, and some other places in, in Canada and maybe North America as well, 
It's uh, a program that's called SOAR uh, through uh, an organization that was formerly called MB Mission, but is now recently called Multiply, I think. I looked this up today. Also, to be clear, it's S-O-A-R, SOAR. (laughs) Yeah, you're not, not, like, you know... um, Limping. What is it called when you like uh, whip your back and stuff in penance? You know, oh, and then you're, and then you get sore. Flagellation. Yeah, you're, it's not. It's not like a self-flagellation sore. It's like you're taking, you're spread, you're spreading your wings and flying. Yeah. Um. It's a, it's a, a ten-day inner-city missions trip, and so, um, it's really just an opportunity for for people to get their eyes open to, uh, the situations in one's own city. Like, there's a lot of, um, uh, poverty in Winnipeg. Uh, where I grew up, grew up, and and I'm still to this day, and where Yuri came in his eleventh uh, grade, um, and so uh, in grade twelve, I I had my first experience there, and I joined Soar because Yuri was playing bass yeah. in the band at first. I was invited <laughs> to play bass in this band, and my I had not really participated in protestant worship that much but i was a bassist and the school's pastor was like hey you play bass there's this thing happening that has a worship component play bass in this band and people will like sing along and i'm like sure why not and i show up and i you know i've practiced my songs and the first night happens and what i didn't realize is that worship meant a pandemonium Like it was, it was people jumping around, people lying on the ground, weeping, people waving colored flags, like just a, a group full of ecstasy happening. Yeah. I don't, I don't mean the drug or maybe I do mean the drug. I'm not sure. <laughs> if so some it, might've looked like that. It was, a. I remember playing on stage and feeling scared in my stomach. Yeah. I, and just, I remember... It, I remember you relaying that to me, and I also remember the leader of the band being like, "Yeah, I don't know what happened. I think we scared him away. Like, uh, we, oh, yeah. we don't we don't know what what was going on there. Scared but me away for sure is what I, happened. I can I can only imagine you know coming coming from where you came from and, and experiencing that. Now, all that said, that's nothing like what I was used to in a church worship service either. Um, you know, I I my the church that I grew up in was not terribly, um, it's the word Pentecostal, I don't know, charismatic. Um, and it was, uh, you know, it's, it's the typical, um, Protestant well, typical work. for you. Well, sure. Well, well, okay. So when, when I think of a Protestant worship, sure. Okay. So maybe this isn't typical <laughs> for everybody. When I think of a pro- typical Protestant worship service, I think of like, you got your, Four worship songs up front. You got your like prayer and announcements and whatever else. And then you have your 30 minute sermon and then maybe you end with a song. I'm just teasing you. I I do think that that is a very typical, (laughs) a a very typical evangelical liturgy. Yeah. And what would you know about it? Just kidding. (laughs) I've been to those. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, So, so this was a lot more um, expressive and uh, emotional Mm -hmm. and um, all those kinds of feelings than, than I'd been used to in a worship service. And it was kind of exciting for me. Um, not the flag waving part, but the, the other things were like, uh, you know, the, the, I, I hadn't seen people living out uh, their faith lives 
in such an overt way or mm. in such an excited way. Well, people were actually people actually cared, right? And, and yeah. were willing to just radically express that emotion. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. Uh, and so I I got caught up in it, and I was only intending to be on the band for this this experience. But after the first day, uh, you know, I called my parents and said, "Bring my." sleeping bag and my whatever my jammies because i'm sticking around for the for the rest of the time and uh and so we we you know we did some volunteer work in the inner city during the day over the weeks and uh or week i should say and and played worship music in the morning and the evening and uh and it was very exciting and in some ways i didn't quite know what to do with myself in, in these experiences and, you know, looking back on it, I, I kind of see myself looking at people and seeing how they're affected by it and thinking maybe that I should also be acting this way or feeling this way. And uh, I can I can see that, you know, this isn't the only time that, that I had these, these thoughts, but I can see that maybe, uh, you know, some of the things that I was doing maybe were contrived actually, but trying to like stir up something that other people were feeling. If if that makes sense, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So sorrow was a big deal for you then, taking on the taking on your faith in a more personal way. Yeah, and and also you know I've always been uh, a big music person, and to this day I'm I I teach music in public schools and uh, do a lot of uh, side projects and you know in a few informal bands that that play music, and this is the first time that I really meaningfully felt music and faith connect in this way. Um, and it was fun and it also felt, um, glorifying to God in the process of it. Uh, and so that was was, the best of all worlds. Oh, absolutely. I can, I, I don't have to feel like, uh, (laughs) like I have to shut myself down in a, in the middle of a worship set of music or anything like that. I can, uh, you know, we're jumping around and we're playing rock songs and the drummers hitting their double kicks or whatever, you know, like don't, don't hold anything back, that kind of thing. So it was very exciting. And, and, uh, and I learned a lot from the, the band leader there and we kept a relationship going for many years after that. Uh, and he eventually came to move into, move to Winnipeg. Uh, and there is a, a citywide youth, event that would happen monthly and I'd play in that. And, uh, and through, through the years I learned a lot from him and grew immensely in my playing and in my, in my leading. And yeah. I'm not sure if you remember the story, but you told me a story about one of those youth evening events. So it's a similar context with the band playing and people worshiping. Yeah. And you told me a story about you running through the crowd. Yes. Kate, do you remember this story? I, I, I do, and I will tell it to you. <laughs> okay. I, I was wondering if it would come up, but it was—it's the probably the worst thing to have ever happened to me in any Christian setting ever. I—I—I uh, I, I wasn't playing that night because I was—I had—I um, I was in university, and we had uh, an unmissable practice or something at university for a class. Uh, and I was really sad that I was missing out on on the evening's worship, so I came back as soon as I could. And uh, the 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 band is playing, and it's and and I'm this is like literally the first time that I'm seeing what's going on, not from the stage, looking down at uh, a congregation doing this thing, but like 
from the congregation looking up and seeing what's going on. And I had initially gone to the front of the, of the sanctuary to like see what was going on. But I was like, oh, I like, I like watching people because I was used to doing it from the stage. So I turned to the aisle and I'm like jogging down the aisle to get to the back and suddenly woof, my, my foot catches on something like really hard and I like stub my toe like crazy. It's like, oh, that hurt. And I turn, I look down <laughs> and then I see somebody who's head, face down on the ground, like prostrate and they turn slowly to look up, to look up at me. And I just like kicked them in the head basically as hard as I possibly could as I was running to the back of the sanctuary. Oh, oh, um, I, yeah, as soon as I saw what had happened, I just quadrupled my speed and got, (laughs) got out of there as fast as I possibly could. And, uh, that was the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life. I sort of hope the person was praying for a sign from God. (laughs) I don't know what kind of sign they would interpret that to be, but, uh. Yeah, whatever uh, they wanted to interpret it. That's I'm what glad it is. to be used as the Lord's messenger in that in that moment. <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, that is the high point of the entire episode. Everything's downhill <laughs> from here. So if you want to turn off the episode, that's my hot take right there. <laughs> no, the hot take is taken from your Patreon episode. Oh yeah, this Sorry. is a public episode. Okay, I'll go put my hand over my mouth there. Yeah. Uh, so save all your juicy stuff for the okay, you know, we'll second do. half. Okay, uh, we'll Speaking of juicy stuff, what about some, so we just talked about really positive experiences. Do you have yes. any like negative experiences of spirituality? And maybe not negative in the sense of confrontational, but maybe like something I went through where I was sort of shocked at all these people like dancing and waving flags and weeping yes. and laughing. And I sort of ran away being like, what the heck cult am I just experiencing? So yeah. did, did you have anything like that? Yeah, I can think of a few things. Like one, um, so those experiences that I had with SOAR, I mean, I was a part of uh, what they were doing for probably eight years. Every spring break, they did this. Uh, and they also have uh, other, they have other programs and one of them is called Trek. It's all very short, snappy words, you know. Um, Trek is a six-month uh, mission experience where uh, it's about two months of uh, Bible school style uh, classroom learning and then uh, just about four months of missional work where you go uh, serve somewhere, typically overseas, uh, and, and then a little bit of a debrief at the end and then, and then off you go. Uh, and there's, there's a couple of things that I remember from there, like, but I, I will say by and large that was uh, also very formative and uh, grew me in a, in a lot of ways. It was the first time that I was really away from my home or from my parents or from people who knew me since I was a kid or high school or whatever. It was the first time I was around people that just didn't know who didn't knew, didn't know who I was. Uh, and so it was it was a very uh, great time for me to figure out who I was and all these things and. And, uh, yeah, so there, there's a couple of, of moments that come to mind from there though, that, that were kind of troubling for me. A lot of the, or not a lot, some of the things that we talked about in the, in the school portion of the program, um, were just so beyond what I was used to that I didn't know what to make of it at all. Um, do you mean like theological concepts or theological concepts? Um, pra- like, uh, religious practices, 
worldviews. So one in particular um, was one of the leaders uh, was coming to talk to us about spiritual warfare. We had a week long uh, discussion about spiritual warfare and he's recounting these stories of him going to the depths of Africa and casting demons out of people and uh, like all these very, uh, for lack of better word, hard to accept uh, experiences at, at the very least, not experiences that would happen day to day to you and I or anybody else. Like just, um, yeah, these, these fantastical things. And, and I'm sitting there thinking like, have I spoken to somebody who's been demon possessed? Have I, am, am I like possessed by, how do I know? Like what's going on and we would talk about things but it wouldn't seem it seemed very vague and very whatever and, and maybe to some other people that's exactly what they needed to hear but for me I was left feeling very confused and um wondering if I was you know being the right kind of Christian or like am I going to go over to I, I was going to Ukraine for my missional part am I going to go just like blasting demons left and right in this country. Am I going to like grow an arm for someone who doesn't have it? And like stuff like this. And maybe that sounds kind of silly, but like those are the kinds of thoughts that I was, that I was having. And, and it was almost like I had to either um, dive into this crazy sounding thing to me or just reject it. And if I rejected it, then, then do I reject the other things that all my other teachers are saying to me, do I reject like the Bible, like by, by extrapolation from this, right? Um, so that was, that was very hard. Um, there's, there's another one that I can think of too, but I don't know if you have any hot takes on, on that, uh, little piece there. No, I, I don't have any hot takes. Maybe just a quick question about the, sort of spiritual warfare demon possession teacher that you had one is so i guess you did answer this first part of my question which was what what was sort of your gut reaction in the moment and that was well how do i get rid of it but then how much of christianity do i just throw out with it right or do i keep it um, i guess one question would be where did where did you land moving forward but then the follow-up question would be like where are you now with that kind of right. demon possession spiritual warfare kind of Thing. Great question. I think I think through it all and since then, I've I've always I don't think that I can discount s such an experience as being true, or you know I I really I have no evidence to say that didn't happen or uh, that doesn't happen in different places, uh, but I don't know. And I still don't know what I do as like an average person with that information. Um, you know, um, and like when I, when I read the new Testament, there are these stories of similar things of, of demon possession and, and miraculous healings and, you know, you don't really see things like this these days. And even if you hear stories about it, 
um, you have doubts, or at least I do when I hear stories like that. Almost one of my first reactions is to doubt. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I, f- I feel like I rely on science quite a bit. I don't think that science and faith are at odds. And I, I, I don't think that um, supernatural phenomena are impossible, but I just don't go to that as the first uh, cause or the first thought. Um, I think maybe part of it might also be that um, things that are physical might have a spiritual component to them. Um, you know, maybe maybe someone who has a sickness, maybe there is some spiritual component where there's something going on in their lives where, um, you, you know, and I'm, as I'm talking through this, where something like prayer or fasting or other things could could help save this person, anointing with oil, you know, uh, help help out with this ailment that they have. But, you know, couldn't that just as easily fix something physical as well as something spiritual? Like, is it woven well, together? To, to all those three things are physical things. Prayer being you putting your body into a men- your, 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 a mental state, right. right? And it usually requires some sort of physical posturing, mm-hmm. right? Then there's fasting, which is just literally controlling what you're putting in your body mm-hmm. to achieve certain effects. And then there's anointing with oil, which is a common uh, thing you do for many medical things, which is, you know, putting ointment on your body Mm -hmm. so all three of those things you mentioned as spiritual practices are physical practices right as as well right and so i guess when i when i hear these stories i think more in terms of a duality between the spiritual and the physical and then it makes me not know how to how to take it or how i would be in a situation like that right so Mm -hmm. i don't know i have yet to as far as i know encounter demons so I don't know how I would uh, how I would do in that uh, in that situation, but you know, I guess time will tell. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. <clears throat> well, you know who to call. <laughs> That's right. Okay, I have a fu- I, I have a fun story to Please share. Do. This is not about no, anything, no, go for it. So my barber Kevin, he's giving me a haircut one day, and we're chatting. I work at a barber shop, by the way. So we're friends. We're chatting, and we're talking about like movies that we find scary. And I say, you know, like I find like movies where people where people break into your house like that that to me is kind of a scary movie he's like oh like i can't handle like the demon movies or the exorcism movies or the the poltergeist movies those are really scary like what what about you do you find those movies scary i'm like i don't really find those those things scary um it's like you don't find those scary why like why not i'm like kevin i'm the guy they call (laughs) yeah that's right and, and and to your to your first question that you asked me with the hot one out the gate as to uh, what do I think or uh, I can't remember your wording exactly but about my dying and what how do I feel about that I, I guess ultimately like I know that God is is supreme over whatever situation I would find myself in and so really it shouldn't be scary. Um, it's, it's unknown to me and, and the unknown is, is scary, but, uh, you know, I think, uh, as, as a Christian, I'm confident in who God is and what he's capable of and that, uh, such a thing would be easily overcome by, by the kind of God that we, that we serve. So. Okay. I'm going to ask you another real tough question here. Okay. So you're a Christian. Yes. 
and you hold maybe a number of intellectual beliefs mm -hmm. that there are certain in, there are certain intellectual ideas to which you subscribe and agree to. Sure. What are what 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 is the least important of those for you? <laughs> What's the first one to go? Um everything except uh, for the gospel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh can you define gospel? Yes. Uh the gospel being uh the good news that that Jesus was born and and died and saved us from our sins which uh we found ourselves helpless in and that uh that we're made right with God through him. Uh that meaning the gospel. Um and over you know over the years i've i've held different beliefs but i think it's it's been sorry not about not about that um maybe i've i've come to understand the gospel more fully in in uh throughout the course of my life which is kind of amazing to think like what i would have how i would have talked about the gospel when i was 20 or 15 or 10 or something um but uh i think any other I'm I'm thinking through this statement as I say it to to consider whether it's true or not. Uh, Unedited podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right here. Now you're making me sweat again. Uh, I <laughs> I think that is the the core of what I what I believe and what I think is important for somebody to consider themselves a believer in in Christ or a follower of Jesus. Um, there are other things that, that I believe, uh, in my faith that I think are important, but if somebody believes differently than me, typically I'm not going to engage in a big fight with them over it. Um, I think of them as the gospel being a, a closed, maybe you've used this language before, people have heard it before, the gospel being a closed handed issue where that that's, that's the foundational truth that everything else comes from. And the other things that I believe or that other people believe are, are open-handed um, beliefs where, um, you know, maybe something that I've believed my whole life about uh, is wrong. And maybe I can be, can be convinced of that through scripture and through um, the conviction of the Holy spirit. Um, and, and yeah, so I think when I was younger, I would have, had more of these closed fisted ideas, but as I, as I grow older, I, th I think that generally I'm more open-minded or at least more, uh, empathetic to, to the reasons why people believe what they believe and trying to understand where they're coming from. I have a, a couple more questions for Go you. Go for it. Are what aspects uh, do you believe anything that makes you uncomfortable? <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think that there is a common, a common criticism of people who are religious is that, or sorry, people who belong to like an institutional religion. Everyone is religious, but people who belong to an institutional religion, <clears throat> one criticism is that, well, it, it gives them comfort. Mm. Right. And and I think that is true for a lot of people, but I, I think that 
faith and, and issues of belief are a bit more complicated than that. So are there any aspects of your faith or your understanding of the world that make you uncomfortable, even though you maintain that belief? I think there are some mysteries of who God is and the state of the the world and the universe that are enough to cause stumbling blocks um, for and questions that that I as well of as well as I'm sure many Christians have have wrestled with and probably questions that would lead people away from God. One of the biggest being the nature of evil or the nature of uh, the things that aren't right in this in this world. Um, for example, you know, we I, I think of God as being totally sovereign and in control of uh, of of everything. Uh, I think of him as being completely benevolent and good and that all good things come from him. Uh, and uh, <laughs> you might have to edit this part a little bit. <laughs> Never. Unedited. Uh, um, and... And also that that God knows about everything, everything that's happening now, that happened, and that will happen. Um, and there's some paradoxes that come in that. Um, you know, if if you take away one of those three elements of who God is, you can reconcile something like the problem of of evil and the problem of sin, right? If you if you maybe say, okay, well, maybe He's not totally good. That can explain why there's why there's evil in the world. He knows about everything. He's powerful enough to change it all, but he just doesn't care enough. Or, um, you know, he he loves us and he's he can do anything uh, that you could possibly think of, but he just doesn't know what's what's about to happen. Uh, and so that's why he's unable to take care of of evil in the world. Or, uh, you know, m- maybe he loves us and he knows everything that's going to happen, but uh, try as he might. He just isn't able to to fix the problems that we face, um, and you know that it's I I I believe that all those things are true, and uh, and yet we have uh, these problems in our world, and you know I can I can try and think my way through that, but I think ultimately I don't know if I will find an answer that will will totally satisfy me. That's kind of scary, <laughs> um, but uh, but I I hold to what I what I uh, what I know is true from from what I what I read from my experiences from uh, f- from the influence of of godly people in my life, and uh, and you know there is some element of of faith to the belief that we have, and uh, that's that's kind of scary, but. But uh, yeah, that answers your question, I think. Sure. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll definitely want to maybe ask a bit more about the theology side of that, but we'll save that for the Patreon-only episode. We can be a bit more free. Ooh. and We're going to get into big arguments. That's what I'm trying <laughs> That's to what say. That's what I'm hoping for. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, but maybe we do have a couple minutes, two, three minutes right now. So let's do a nice question to take us to the end of the, the regular episode here, which is uh, you, you got married, is it seven years ago now? Eight years ago? Eight years in this December. Eight years. Well, con- congratulations in advance. Uh, how has your marriage or living in a state of monogamous marriage you got to say monogamous nowadays. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, how how has that maybe changed or augmented your spiritual life or your experience of the divine or maybe even just something as simple as church? Well, the biggest thing is that Rachel took me away from the Mennonite church I was going to and brought me to the non-denominational church that I go to now. Uh, Temptress. I know. <laughs> Temptress. <laughs> Isn't that how it always goes? Well, not for you, I guess, but... Um, Flirt to convert. <laughs> that's right. Um I, one of the biggest things that that uh, that Rachel uh, is responsible for in my in my life in regards to faith is that uh, she is very solid in in her faith, uh, and and she challenges me to stay uh, honest to the what I believe in the the practices that bring me closer to God. Um, she is, uh, you know, she, she will read something from, uh, a, a book or a passage of scripture that's inspired her. And, uh, she's a very social person. She's very, uh, ready to share what she's learned with me. And in, in sharing it with somebody close to you, then you can get into some things that maybe would be difficult if you were reading in isolation or if you were sharing with, uh, someone who wasn't, a spouse, uh, but we're able to to dig into some of the things that that we're reading, some of the things that we're we're listening to in our church services, and dig into to the to the depth of uh, who God is and and what He has to offer, and uh, you know iron sharpens iron, and uh, that's that's been a huge blessing of of Rachel in my life that. Uh, that we can sharpen each other and uh, gently redirect us to, to the person of who God is. If you'd like to listen to the second half of this interview, you can head over to patreon.com slash priest. Your support is what makes this podcast possible. Thanks for listening. Say, why would you look outside yourself when you have-